BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now it's time for another episode of the Children's Hour. Stories about Don Jr., Jared, Ivanka, and little Eric with Amy Willens. Of course, she's a longtime contributing editor at The Nation and former Jerusalem correspondent of The New Yorker. She's best known for her award-winning books on Haiti, most recently Farewell Fred Voodoo. Amy, welcome back. Thanks, John. Well, return with us now to the days before Ivanka and Jared ever dreamed they would have offices in the White House, that they would have titles as assistant to the president, that's Ivanka, and special advisor to the president, that's Jared. Return with us now to 2006. And let's start with Ivanka and her older brother, Don Jr. During the season finale that year of The Apprentice, Donald Trump Sr. unveiled a new Trump project. He called it Trump Soho. He said it was a luxury hotel and condo development in lower Manhattan. We now know this was the project where Ivanka and Don Jr. were going to become full players in the Trump empire. She was 24, he was 28. Last week, we learned a lot about Trump Soho, which was the focus of a major investigation by ProPublica. What is the story of Trump Soho? Well, as usual, it began in a tangle of lies from the Trump organization. So Trump Soho was not in Soho. For starters. For starters. In fact, it was at what... um, they called in its, and still call in its uh, advertising online, where Soho meets Tribeca and the West Village. Well, you'll be interested to know, listeners, <laughs> that where Soho meets Tribeca and the West Village is the entrance to the Holland Tunnel <laughs> and the way to New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, so I think that's a great thing, but most people don't really want to buy their luxury suites at the entrance to a tunnel to New Jersey. <laughs> so... It was already kind of questionably located, and then it became the focus not just of an investigation recently by ProPublica, but an investigation, more importantly, by the Manhattan DA's office. And the Manhattan DA's office attention was called to this project because many of the buyers of the condo units felt that they had been fed a bunch of hooey by the Trump organization, uh, Ivanka and Donald Jr., in selling these units. Let me just interject here. This building is part luxury hotel and part condos. You can buy a condo in this luxury hotel. What was the condo that they were selling? Well, they were selling condos, but you could only 
live in your condo for 120 days per year because really you can't sell residential there according to New York zoning laws. So this was the Trump Organization's way of getting around it. Please buy our condo, but you can only stay there part of the year. So your condo was essentially, if you got the very best one, and I've looked them over because, of course, I'm planning to move into a Trump building. Oh, no. And the very nicest ones, if you call them nice, uh, are the penthouse suites. And they're really hotel suites. And they have, at best, a kitchenette with a uh, wine cooler bar, a wine cooler breakfast bar. So you don't really have a full a full condominium. You have a hotel room passing for a residence. These were uh, hotel rooms you could buy. You were only allowed to live in it for 120 nights per year because the area wasn't zoned for residential. At least that means for the rest of the year, you would not have to look at the entrance to the Holland Tunnel. <laughs> right. And if you were lucky, your bathtub might have a view of the Empire State <laughs> Building. That's the kind of thing that uh, preoccupied the Trump Organization so, in building this. So why was the Manhattan District Attorney's major economic crimes bureau interested in Trump Soho? Because the the Trump kids and the organization were trying to, they had to sell a certain percentage of their condo units available in order to make it an appealing place for people to buy other condo units. So they lied once about the percentage of units they had sold. Then they lied again about the number of units they sold. And then, again, they said it was at 60% sold. In 2012, uh, Ivanka said that at a meeting that she gave for the foreign press. Mostly these are bought by foreigners. When she said that they were at 60%, they certainly weren't at 60% because as of today, they are just at 30% sold. And at that time, they were at? They were at something like 15% or even lower. So what exactly is the crime here? The crime is, it... is, uh, is fraudulent marketing, basically. And some of the buyers discovered that there weren't 60% sold, there were only 50%. 15% sold, that they were going to be living in a mostly empty condo. An and, echoing, vast <laughs> condo building. And they felt they had been deceived. And there were private lawsuits, which the major economic crimes bureau decided merited their, their own investigation. And yet, Ivanka and Don Jr. were never indicted for the crime of, yes. of fraud, because for Because, as usual with the Trumps, the story gets better. <laughs> So Ivanka and Donald Jr. assembled with Trump Organization backing a fabulous team of defense lawyers to counteract what they saw as this big, serious, scary investigation of themselves going on in the DA's office. But they weren't really getting any traction. The DA kept on looking at them and asking for papers and issuing subpoenas and all the stuff you do prior to thinking about indictments. And then one day in uh, 2012, Donald Trump Sr.'s personal lawyer, Mark Kasowitz, decided to pay a visit to Cyrus Vance, who is the Manhattan DA, the in charge of the whole DA's office. But a, a little bit before that, also in 2012, he gave $25,000 to Cyrus Vance's campaign for Manhattan DA. It's an elected office. And then he came in to talk to Cyrus Vance. Now, this is one big New York macher talking to another giant New York macher. And he came in. We don't know what was said. And then he left. 
And then uh, Cyrus Vance overruled his prosecutors and decided to drop the criminal case against Ivanka and uh, her brother Donald. After that happened, not that long after that happened, by five years later, he had given again Mark Kasowitz $50,000 to another Cyrus Vance campaign. Vance did return the $25,000 the original 25, and now he's saying, oh, and I'll also return the 50,000. And when you say now, you mean in response to calls from ProPublica. <laughs> like yesterday. <laughs> yes. So he's had the use of the 50,000 all that time. I guess we should say at this point, uh, the defense lawyers were saying that, yes, they exaggerated, yes, they lied, but there's a lot of hype in the real estate business, and that doesn't necessarily make it a crime. That was Cyrus Vance's argument, too. Maybe this wasn't really criminal activity. Yet his prosecutors seem to have spent a lot of time thinking it was criminal activity. And one more thing. What happened to the Trump Soho? Well, it's a sad story, John. The Trump (laughs) Soho went into foreclosure in... uh, 2014 and was taken over by a creditor. Uh, Only 128 out of the 391 units available have been sold. That's about 33% now. Another story of a failure in the real estate business, which is the business of the Trump Organization. And uh, you and I have both discovered that the Trump Soho Hotel does have a glitzy website uh, <laughs> where they're still uh, open for business, and their slogan is, if success hasn't spoiled you, we will. So if success hasn't spoiled you, we will. What I love about this is that they don't really understand what the meaning of spoiled is. Spoiled means to ruin something, to make it rotten, to destroy it, and they understand from family experience, that success spoils people. But they are telling their foreign investors in their nice little hotel units that they will make sure they're rotten if they weren't already rotten. Well, that's uh, our story about uh, Ivanka and Don Jr. for today. We haven't talked about Jared yet. Uh, Jared was also in the news this past week. There was a big piece Also, revisiting Jared's work long before he ever imagined he would be a special assistant to the president, Jared was, of course, the publisher of the New York Observer, the weekly newspaper that he bought in 2006 for $10 million. He owned it for 10 years. He sold it only when he went to work at the White House. First, remind us, what was the New York Observer when Jared Kushner bought it in 2006? Well, the New York Observer was wildly popular, especially with the media elite in New York City. But it was kind of a fantastic takedown of the powers that be, uh, lots of gossip. Everybody worshipped this paper for its inside New York talk and understanding. It seemed to really hold the you know, uh, meretricious, ugly soul of New York in its hands and expose it all the time. Thoughtful and critical and funny and sharp and wry and uh, lots of things that I'm sure Jared Kushner didn't understand from the get-go. And he was only 28 years old when he bought the paper. And he had never been involved in journalism before. When but he was that at- never stops a Trump from doing something <laughs> when he was, new. 
<laughs> Last week, the former editor of The Observer finally spoke about what it was like to work for Jared. This was a piece for the Columbia Journalism Review, which many people don't read as carefully as you and, and sometimes I do. One of the most amazing things to me that The Observer's former editor said was, I'm quoting, most weeks, Kushner not only didn't read The Observer, he didn't appear to read anything else either. Were you surprised to find the publisher of a magazine, of a weekly, uh, not reading it? It's almost unbelievable because you might find the editor of a daily paper not reading the whole daily paper because the daily paper is gigantic. He has the next daily paper to put out. He can't read everything in his daily paper. If you're publishing a weekly and you don't know everything that's in there, you're not doing your job. But Jared Kushner never expected to do his job. He was used to being a kingpin at a real estate company where he didn't have to know every little working of everything. Um, But also, uh, this editor, whose name is Kyle Pope, said he never heard Jared Kushner talk about a book that even politics, I'm quoting, seemed to lie outside his area of interest, and he bragged that he never read the New York Times. Mm. And uh, he said every week, quoting now, uh, Kushner and I held a conference call with the Observer's editorial writer who would pitch ideas for the paper's two main editorial slots, ideas about state, local, and national politics. He says, quote, Kushner almost never showed any interest in what at the time were the hottest and most pressing issues of the day. It's pretty amazing for somebody who owns a newspaper. This is how I look at it. Actually, you know, he bought the newspaper. He wanted to own a newspaper. That's a thing you do when you want to be a big, important guy in a city. You buy a newspaper. It's happened to the LA Times. It's happened to many of the publications in New York City. So he has this newspaper, but he just doesn't give a damn about anything in a newspaper. He has no idea. He can't be bothered. He's arrogant. So what does it all mean when we look at... First, the story of Trump Soho on the way Ivanka and Don Jr. avoided a criminal indictment for fraud, the way Jared Kushner ran the New York Observer for the 10 years he owned it. One thing that occurs to me, none of these people had the slightest interest in politics. Their only interest was their family business. And that's still the case. Um, You know, I know, so so, uh, Jared went to Harvard. I, I know that you know. First year, second year students at Harvard will tell you, you know, my goal in life is to be on the White House staff. My goal is to be in the work in the Senate. My goal is to be clerk a clerk for a circuit court clerk. judge. So, and their whole lives are oriented. They get their internships. They write their senior thesis. They get their parents to get them a job. If we look at Jared <laughs> and Ivanka and Don Jr., there's never any sign that they're Nothing. interested in politics, in policy, in campaigning. But and, it's beyond that. John and 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 the president reflects this too. There's no uh, there's it's not that there's no interest in it. There's a total lack of curiosity about anything outside their world and now they're running the world. One last thing before uh we let you go. Uh Don Jr was in the news for one other thing. He gave a speech in Alabama where he touched on your work and my work as professors at liberal arts uh, schools. Yes, he decided to tell the good people of Alabama that college professors were responsible for teaching students, and I quote, how to become an actual fascist, unquote. 
<laughs> How did he discover our secret agenda? Well, I think he must have interviewed some of my students. <laughs> They're very good at giving the salute. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of the Children's Hour, stories about Ivanka, Don Jr., and Jared, reported by Amy Willens. Amy, thanks for coming in today. Thanks so much, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening.